Our next guest is uh, going to be on the call with that. The one and only Pete Gillen, CBS Sports, the retired coach, but the very, very active uh, CBS Sports analyst, doing his thing, more frequent flyer miles than anyone I know. What's up, coach? Oh, and by the way, he is still alive. Yes. <laughs> I'm still vertical, failing. I'm still vertical. DC, it's great to be with you. You're a great American. Anytime I'm with you, it's a big plush. <laughs> I love it, my friend. All right, so you're getting ready to make the cross-country trip here. Uh, I hope, uh, and I know uh, you're going to get yourself some good meals when you're here, you know, courtesy of me. But uh, hopefully you're going to get a good meal before you get on that plane uh, back there in Virginia. Yep. Uh, yeah, I am. My wife and I are going out tonight. We're going to Bargain John's basement. It's a good place to eat. <laughs> no, we're, we're, go, we're gonna go. We're gonna go uh, get a little bite to eat. But yeah, it's a long trip. But uh, I love coming out to Las Vegas. It's a great city and uh, a lot of excitement. And I think the Run Rebels are, are you know turning around and getting healthy, getting guys eligible. You know, and uh, hopefully now they, they go up, up and away. We'll see how this thing uh, works out, Pete. Uh, very interesting because UNLV has had probably the toughest uh, conference slate here to open um, the conference uh, schedule here as they open up against San Diego State, and that didn't go too well for them. Uh, the first uh, six, eight minutes of that game went backwards, and then UNLV played San Diego State you know, pretty tough. But we know what the Aztecs are all about. Went to the championship game, the national championship game last year. And uh, then UNLV came home and got to play New Mexico, who they were 13-2, and Richard Patino's squad. But UNLV, uh, to borrow a horse racing term, Pete, they went wire to wire. I mean, they jumped out on New Mexico right away, and uh, and they held on for a victory. Then, as you know, you got Utah State coming in here to the Thomas and Mack Center, and then UNLV's got to go on the road against Boise State and Colorado State. You can make the case here that they're they're facing the top five teams in the conference right from the get go. You're right, TC. No question about it. Now, San Diego State, we can't sleep on them. You know they've done a wonderful job. Uh, we're getting to the national championship game. As you said, Brian Dutcher, uh, they really were unbelievable, and they're terrific again this year. They played a very good schedule also, you know, not as tough as UNLV, I don't think, but they played a very tough schedule. So they're going to be right there at the end. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a gauntlet now. I mean, Boise State's terrific. Uh, they're doing a great job there. They're very, very good, you know. So they get, you know, some tough games coming up ahead. Nevada's 15-1, and one, you know. They're doing a great job, uh, you know. So, uh, and Utah State, Danny Sprinkle, first year there, they're 15-1. and one. So the Mountain West is loaded. The last two seasons, as you know, TC, four teams from the Mountain West West went to the NCAA tournament this year. Chance four again, maybe five, but, you know, realistically, uh, they got a good chance of four, possibly five. So the league is really right now in an upward swing. No doubt about it. Pete Gillen joins us, longtime coach, Virginia, Xavier, Providence, uh, just to name a few. Now, Pete, I wanted to talk with you. Uh, maybe cross sports here a little bit. Uh, we got the news today about Bill Belichick stepping down as the longtime coach of the Patriots, 24 seasons. And within a 24-hour span, Nick Saban announces he's stepping down from Alabama uh, yesterday and the success that he's had. And then also Pete Carroll, 14 seasons with the Seattle Seahawks. It's just there's symmetry between all of these guys. They all have their, their work paths have crossed. They all know each other uh, you know, pretty well. But it seems very, very strange that you have three of these legendary, iconic coaches who are all leaving their current posts. One we know for sure is going to, you know, wants to continue and coach in Bill Belichick. Talk a little bit about uh, about the longevity of, of of these guys and these coaches, 
And, you know, now deciding now's the time to step down. Yeah, well, good question, TC. They're all legends, three unbelievably successful coaches, one, you know, NFL championships or national championships. They've done a great job. Bill Belichick, you know, they struggled. You know, when Brady left last four or five years, they have not been as successful. They have not won a playoff game. So he got kind of a little bit of a nudge. And Pete Carroll, too. I think he got a little bit of a nudge. You know, he's 72. Belichick's going to be 72, you know, in about a month and a half. So, you know, they're still terrific coaches, but they're getting up there a little bit. and They're slipping a little bit. So that's why. And I think Nick Saban, you know, with the transfer portal, NIL, his head spinning with that, you know, and he's won, you know, six or seven national titles, depending on how you interpret it. So he's had enough. So, you know, coaching is pressure, takes a lot out of you. And after a while, they say, hey, that's enough. But I think with the two NFL guys, they would have liked to have stayed, I think, another year or so. Belichick to break Don Shula's record, as you know, is the winningest NFL head coach in history. He's like 16 wins away, 17 wins away, roughly. So he wants to break that. You know, and Pete Carroll's got a lot of energy. 72, but he, he does push-ups on picket fence in the morning. He's always ready. You know, he's, he's fired up. Mm-hmm. Pete, how difficult is it, you know, in these instances when, you know, you – have to make that decision, whether it's your choice or not. And you've been through this yourself here, where you got to face the players and your assistant coaches when you are leaving. Talk a little bit about that. And if you're one of the guys that kind of gets the bad news, you know, from your AD or your president or general manager Mm -hmm. or pro team or whatever, that's always tough. But you you know, you're always thinking about your players and uh, talk a little bit about just from your perspective and your experience, how difficult that is to have that conversation. Yeah, it is difficult. You know, I, I was fired at Virginia. You know, we had winning seasons. We just didn't win enough. We went four NITs, one NCAA, and we had a, a winning record. But, you know, they wanted more, et cetera, which is fine. So, yeah, it, it's tough because you, you want your assistants to get another job. They have families. And uh, one of my star players, you know, I talked to him. I said, hey, it's the place for you. Virginia, stay here. You know, uh, you know, Sean Singletary was a great point guard at Virginia. Uh, we recruited him, coached him for one year. So, you know, you, you want what's best for the players because they're like extended family, TC. So it's, it's a tough situation, but uh, it's a tough business. You know, it's win or go home. And, uh, you know, we won, but we didn't win quite enough. You know, we, uh, you know, as I said, we we're about 118 and 94 or something. So we were, you know, comfortably over 500, but we didn't quite enough. And uh, it's fine. And, uh, you know, I was... You know, my oblique was bothering me, so I said maybe it's the best. So, uh, um, but uh, yeah, it's difficult because I know Belichick wants to continue. And I, I, my gut is uh, Pete Carroll. I have no inside information, but I think he wanted to stay another year or two. He's a young seventy-two. You know what I mean? He's fired up. He's always got tons of energy, and uh, I think Saban just had enough. I think his head was spinning. Says, "Hey, this transfer portal, the NIL. I, I, I'm seventy-two. I won right a bunch of titles. Right, let, let me go chill out." But it is difficult because you, you know, you want your assistants to get a job somewhere, you know, and you want your players to, you know, to, to stay where they're at if, if they're comfortable and it's a good situation. So you, you have responsibility. You know, you're like the godfather. You got to try to look out after them, and I try to do that. You know, we're hearing a lot of stories today, and normally the case here, when a legendary or iconic or future Hall of Fame coach uh, steps down, you hear from the players. Uh, I'm real curious, Pete, for you, uh, who was your greatest influence as a coach when you were coming up, and did you model anything after a, a certain coach? Well, you were, well, you especially you know in your early years. Yeah, I had two mentors, two great coaches, <laughs> Roly Massimino. Villanova won the national championship, as you know, in 1985. I was assistant there. 
you know, in the late 70s, early 80s, I wasn't part of that national championship team. And Digger Phelps at Notre Dame, I was with him for five years. He's another, uh, I think, uh, a great coach and uh, brought Notre Dame to the Final Four and had great success. And he marketed the game. He did a great job <clears throat> marketing the game, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon when they're playing UCLA or they're playing, you know, Indiana or Michigan or St. John's or, you know, Ohio State. If you were a college basketball fan, that was must-see TV. So those guys taught me a lot. They taught me what to do, what not to do. But I had to be myself. I couldn't be Rolly Massimino. I couldn't be Digger Phelps. But I try to take the things I learned from them, which was a lot, and try to have my own, you know, personality, my own, my own self. But uh, you learn what to do. But it's maybe even more important to see what not to do. And they taught me also what not to do. Right. Hey, Digger, one of my favorite guys, man. And it's funny, you know, Raleigh got a chance to uh, meet him when he took the UNLV job, you know, going back, uh, you know, in the early 90s as well, too. But uh, two two great guys to be under, you know, no question. And Digger, one of my all-time favorites, because, you know, I was an Irish fan, you know, growing up, and I got a chance to meet Digger on a couple occasions. Uh, Did you? And, and, and here's the thing, Pete, I can guarantee you, it just, it just struck me here. You and I probably met each other. I'm going back until, oh, pro- probably in, into the... The 80s or, or, or 90s, and if you used to be on the recruiting trail with Digger, um, you know, because I used to take my teams to the Long Beach Slam and Jam or, or, or Sacramento teams and that sort of thing. There it is. I Pete Gillen was probably looking at some of my players uh, under Digger Phelps. <laughs> I might have been. I was with Digger all over the place. We recruited nationally. TC. We're in LA and yeah. Chicago and New York City and you know down Florida and all over the place. So uh, might have been. And, uh, if I would know you then, maybe we would have got. One or two more of your guys. We, I might still be coaching. There you go. <laughs> he is Pete Gillen. Pete's going to be on the call Saturday afternoon at the Thomas and Mack Center. Pete, how much you love coming to Vegas? You were just here oh, a month or so ago when, when UNLV pulled the upset over Creighton. You were on that call. And uh, I'm glad you're getting uh, more of these assignments out here. Yeah, I love Las Vegas. I didn't go last year, as you might recall. Uh, but, uh, no, I love going to Vegas. I love the excitement. Great restaurants. I don't get a chance to see a show because usually after the game I'm wiped out. I, you know, I got to go get you know, some blood in the hospital to pump me up again. But uh, uh, I, uh, I love coming to Vegas. It's it's a great city, great sports town. Always excitement, energy. You know, the, the you know everything is is wonderful there. It's, and it's great with the football team now. The, you know, the Las Vegas football. I think one day they're gonna get a baseball team and a basketball team. So they got hockey, of course. It's very good in hockey. So uh, it's a wonderful city, and it's continued to grow. You know, Pete, uh, when you look at UNLV, they really have worked the transfer portal. They've been injured. And, uh, you know, Kevin Kruger, I feel bad for him because, again, two more of his players were injured the other night, but they got the job done uh, against New Mexico. And now you got to face this Utah State team, which basically, I, I believe, brought back zero points from their roster, head coaching change and everything. So I think there was that conventional wisdom. Well, okay, Utah State's going to be down a little bit this year. But, man, they just – they replenish – and I don't know what they're doing. I haven't had a chance to see Utah State play, and I know you're doing the, the scouting report on him. But uh, what do you expect to see in this game here Saturday afternoon? I expect to see a great game. You hit it right in the head, TC. They have 13 new players, 13. Coach Danny Sprinkle, he came from Montana State where he played in the year 2000. He graduated, and he's done an unbelievable job. 13 new guys. He brought two players with him, a young man named Great Osabor, 6'8", young man from England. He's a transfer from Montana State. And uh, another young man named Darius Brown, the second 6'2 guard, also from Montana State. So he brought a, a point guard and he brought a big guy who scores inside. 
and he's got other good players, one from Maryland and from different Division Two, and he put them together, and they're 15-1, and one, so he's done an unbelievable job. He's in a conversation for National Coach of the Year at this, you know, midway through the season, almost midway through, so he's done a great job. They do it with defense. You know, it would be interesting, those that follow college basketball, you see the battle of the bigs tomorrow on Saturday afternoon. Great Osabar from Utah State, 6'8", going against Caleb Boone, the terrific big guy, you know, for the, the Runner Rebels. And point guard, all right, Darius Brown is second from Montana State, you know, uh, who's a 6'2 guard going against Dedon Thomas, the outstanding freshman guard for the Runner Rebels. So you're going to see, you know, battles within the battle, you know, games within the game. So uh, if you like college basketball, come out, you know, uh, to watch the, the Runner Rebels play on Saturday at 12 noon uh, Pacific time. There it is. Uh, looking forward to that. Pete Gillen will be uh, on the call with his partner Carter Blackburn on on CBS uh, CBS Sports Network. Looking forward to that. Uh, Pete, let's talk a little bit about uh, the other landscape here in college basketball. Uh, we saw a couple upsets last night. Number two, Houston goes down. Number three, Kansas goes down. And uh, a little bit different looking Big 12. We're looking at this and going, oh, wait a minute. BYU, uh, UCF, these guys are playing. Oh, wait. That, this is the new Big 12. So it, it's got to be strange for you it's strange for me i think it's strange for a, a, a lot of people the transfer portal is one thing but the conference realignment is crazy and it's even going to get more crazy next year when the pac-12 is gone and now we're we're dealing with uh, a you know a conference game of ucla and maryland or usc and michigan and ohio state it's crazy isn't it it is crazy tc exactly <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole new world the, the one sure thing in life as you know is change you get older, right? You get another job, you get hired, you get promoted, you get fired, right? You get another job, you change, you know, you go to a different place, you live in a different city. So it's changing college basketball. I think there's going to be, you know, some major, major conferences like there's some great ones now, but there might be like 18 to 20 teams in a conference. There might be four, you know, super conferences or five, but, you know, 15, 18, 20 teams in a conference, you know, so it's, it's a whole new world. With the money now, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. You're allowed to pay players with the name, image, and likeness. And, you know, sometimes they have a job. They show up. Sometimes don't worry about it. You don't have to show up. So it's a, right now, I don't know how long they can sustain it, TC. You know what I mean? With the money and everything else. Because I think the school's going to say, wait a second. We, we're, our development money for a new library, a new dormitory, a new science building is down. All the money's going to men's football, men's basketball, women's basketball, women's volleyball, soccer. You know, and that's fine. The players deserve it, but right now it's it's really chaos. It, it is chaos now. Uh, now, Pete, this is kind of crazy here. I, I was had this conversation the other night, and we were talking about some of the conferences and everything. It, the Colonial Conference, Pete, is, is no more. Yeah. Uh, what, what is this? They yeah. they changed the name from the Colonial yeah. to the Coastal Athletic Association. Now, now you're down there. That's your neck of the woods, the Colonial. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I love the Colonial, right? I mean, what George Mason yeah. and company, uh, uh, Hofstra, yeah. Townsend. I mean, I love this conference, Pete Drexel. What's going on? What happened here? They changed the name because a lot of the teams are on the coast. Naturally, you know, with, with Delaware, the teams you named, you know, uh, there of course, and Hofstra and Long Island on the water. So. And, you know, Northeastern's up there in Boston on the water, you know, right near the water. So, yeah, it's the same league. It's still the CAA instead of the Colonial Athletic Association. As you said, it's the Coastal Athletic Association. Still a terrific league, you know, terrific coaches. Hofstra's certainly outstanding, you know, and College of Charleston did an unbelievable job last year. And there's a lot of good teams, you know. So uh, it's, uh, it's it's still a terrific company. They just changed the name. You know, once again, it's all about branding, you know, branding and name and image and 
it's uh, it, it, trains moving fast, TC. I hope I don't fall off. There it is, uh, Colonial no more, and now it's a coastal. All right, my friend, uh, we will let you go. Appreciate the the time today. Go enjoy your dinner, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, to seeing you on Saturday, the Thomas and Mac, and then uh, and also uh, now come hungry Saturday night, my friend. Okay, we're going to dinner. You make sure you come hungry. I don't want you to to start stuffing hot dogs down you at the Thomas and Mac <laughs> in pregame and in, in, in halftime because I know sometimes you know you like to skirt away a little bit, you know to to dive into some concessions. Yeah, I put some stuff, hamburgers in my pocket, you know, put some sweat socks, you know, stuff like sweat socks. Yeah, I, I, I get them before they get me, TC. That's my motto. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday, and hopefully we get together Saturday night and have a nice dinner. You got it, brother. Take care, Pete. Safe travels. Take care, T. Bye-bye. There Thank he you. is. There he is, Pete Gillen, uh, one of our favorites, one of the best. Pete Gillen, you love the stories. And uh, come strong on the uh, TC Martin Show Songfest edition, too. I think he's already working on his next song. You know, come up for the next song fest.